welcome to the Good Mood Podcast. Today's episode is episode 42, Through the Dark Woods, conversations on the healing journey with Dr. Dimpy Patel, naturopathic doctor. Dr. Dimpy rejoins the Good Mood Podcast to continue a conversation we started on Instagram. What makes us frustrated in the doctor-patient interaction? What unseen obstacles step in the way of our healing? So many times we've met and worked with patients who have seemingly done all the work and yet still struggle with feeling lost, that they're not making progress. This can be such a frustrating experience for both patients and practitioners, that feeling that you're both spinning your wheels, both of you are trying so hard to make progress, to feel better, and yet you feel just as deep in the woods as when you started. I've had so many conversations about this with my colleagues and friends. Healing is such an art and we don't have all the answers. And there are subtleties to the journey that can be triggering and invalidating to talk about because sometimes there are limitations to the language that we're using to describe these phenomena. I wrote a blog post about an analogy of being lost in the woods, maybe the jungle, let's say of disease and despair, and the things that we might do, either consciously or unconsciously, that keep us stuck there. And Dimby reached out to me telling me how much she resonated with this topic, how she's been having the same conversations with her friends and colleagues and patients, and how she'd love to talk more about it. So we went on a limb and recorded a combo together, and this might be part one of a series. Let's see how it goes. Um, it did feel good to just get it off our chest and put it out there. So this might be the, it for this conversation. Let me know what you think of this topic. Is it providing more clarity for you? Is it helping provide something like validation for some of the confusion you felt in your own journey? For example, as patients, how do we strike a balance between finding our own empowerment and trusting in our guides? As practitioners, how do we let our patients lead on their own healthcare journey while also inspiring patients' trust in us as authority figures? Is authority figure even an accurate way of describing what we do? Expertise, maybe. So many times my experience as a healer or patient have been humbled. So Dimpy and I talk, got on with it and talked, and here's our combo. And Dimpy's a great person to talk about this stuff with because she focuses her practice on healing the highly sensitive person, the artist, the healers, the outcast, the person who feels, the empath, the indigo child. She helps highly sensitive women unleash their full potential with subconscious rewiring, naturopathic medicine, and functional labs so they can feel empowered in their health and be of greater service to others. And her first episode on the Good Mood podcast is one of our most popular. It's called Healing the Highly Sensitive Person, if you want to listen to it next. And last thing before we get on with the conversation is please check out Good Mood Foundations. So it's a program I'm running that starts on March 1st. I don't know, but this might be your way out of the woods. And the link to explore more about it is in the show notes. So happy listening. Hey, Dimpy, welcome back. Hey, Talia. (laughs) So maybe do you want to start by talking about why we're sitting down again to talk? um, Besides the fact that we like each other and like to talk to each other. (laughs) Yeah, so I feel so I feel like the reason that we're here today is really because, you know, you and I had this really spontaneous conversation um, and it was so authentic. It was about like some of our frustrations when it comes to um, how our clients um, take the information that we give them, you know, and what they do with it. And the frustration was not more in terms of frustration towards them, but in terms of the messages that they've been kind of ingrained with when it comes to medicine, right? Like what is right, what is wrong? And I think like this conversation that we're going to have today is going to be super powerful. It's Mm going to really um, allow us to dig deeper beyond 
you know, our patients following or not following our recommendations, but really go deeper into why that happens and talk about this, you know, dogma of like, um, you know, fear versus, you know, hope, you know, and really how much fear really plays into the decisions that we make for our health. So, yeah. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. It started off, um, a friend and I have had this conversation and you were saying you've had this conversation with your colleagues and friends for a while. A friend and I've had this conversation for a while. And I think, I don't know why, but there was something, um, I was expressing some concern to her, obviously not breaking confidentiality, just speaking in vague terms about, I was working on a treatment plan and I was like, you know, I just, I feel like constrained in writing this treatment plan because I feel like this case that I'm working on is very simple in the way that I see it, but I feel resistance on, on all sides of me being able to make the recommendations I would normally make, whether the person is already following a diet that they think works for them that I see from my vantage point is not working for them or whether there's just resistance around something I'm recommending, um, questioning in a way that doesn't feel empowering to the patient. Like there's a way that we can approach health practitioner recommendations with skepticism and with our own personal empowerment um, and our own advocacy. And then there's also this other thing that we're going to be really touching on, which is like, you know, this, what feels like someone blocking their ability to follow recommendations or, or listen fully to a practitioner trying to help. And so my friend and I were having this conversation. She's like, why don't you write that article? Cause you talked about, you wanted to write an article about this. <laughs> so I just, you know, and I've been having some writer's block lately, but it kind of lifted a little bit. And I went on my blog, which I've been keeping since I was a student on and off and just wrote this analogy that, you know, I'd, I'd expressed to my friend before about, you know, if you're lost in the Amazon jungle and, you know, any direction that you choose is going to take you out of the jungle, no matter where you start, you might be right at the edge of the jungle though. And so there's probably a better way or a faster way. But the wrong thing to do, so whatever way you take, whatever guide you follow will eventually lead you out of the jungle. But if you start working with a guide, walking in one direction, and then halfway switch directions and follow another guide, that pretty much guarantees you're going to stay in the woods for the rest of your life. So this this analogy of like working with a patient and things are kind of going well, they lose faith that they start to question things, maybe self-sabotage, and then go with this other theory that seems to resonate and that seems to be at odds with what the work that we're doing. Yeah. And this was the thing. It was like, maybe this is anxiety, you know, maybe this yeah. is, you know, anxiety. Yeah. That's, failed or that's exactly what I responded to. Like that yeah. blog post that you posted. And I was like, wow, I really resonate with this because that very morning I had um, recorded like a reel for one of my, for my social media platform that specifically talked about this very concept that like, stop doing everything that everyone tells you to do in order to create space for healing. Right. Um, Cause it just harps on this very concept that like, um, when you allow distrust or fear to enter your healing relationship with a practitioner, that is actually going well. So I'm not talking about like the relationships that, you know, like intuitively are not healthy for you, right? Like, or you're like, this is not a good fit, not those relationships, but the relationships that you truly have seen some transformation, some healing in, and then you begin to allow all of these other voices to overwhelm you and to distrust the path that you have wholly trusted for a while, you know? And so 
I just loved that analogy that you gave because it literally is like that. Like you are in the woods and you need help. You need a guide, right? Like, and you don't need a guide. You don't need somebody telling you what to do, but you need a guide. And so I loved, I loved that analogy because that is truly what, you know, health practitioners need to own is like, I need to be a guide, not the person to dictate the direction, but simply gently lead you in the right direction. Mm. And so that, that analogy was just so powerful and resonated. And I think that's really what sparked um, that conversation that we had um, via voice, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And this other, so actually maybe let's, we were going to maybe start because we know this is a potentially sensitive conversation because we're talking about, I don't, well, let's, let's maybe just express some fears we have around how this conversation could go wrong. Totally. Totally. Let's start there. (laughs) You know, someone listening to this who, yeah. And I guess this is why I wanted to express the fears because I'm not sure who would be listening to this and how they may take offense. So it's helpful for me anytime I'm talking about something controversial to really try and understand like, how would somebody Uh, be hurt by what I'm saying. And the more I can do that with different points of view, the, the, the better the conversation isn't not offending people. And I've had a lot of success with that, like from kind of touchy topics, you know, in terms of like kind of diets that are controversial to um, like sort of this masculine feminine conversation, which could, you know, in a, in a world where we're trying to embrace this non-binary way of thinking could be um, contentious, you know, could be kind of controversial and, and hurt some feelings. So, and I think some people expressed that those conversations were pretty um, sensitive. Like they, they were like, you know, it was approached pretty well. And I think it was because of thinking about, okay, what are my fears about, you know? Totally. Yeah. Right. Like we're yeah. owning it right now. And so mm-hmm. allowing for that space um, to have this conversation um, safely mm-hmm. essentially and allow it to be received from many different perspectives. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. I love that. Um, yeah. I think I, I think what I'm always afraid of with this podcast in general, because I realize that patients are listening to it. I don't ever want a patient to feel betrayed. So even when I'm, when I'm using patient stories as examples, um, I, I'm never thinking of a specific person enough that that person, if they were listening, would identify themselves. So even if no one else would identify them, even if there's like 10 people who would fit the description, I still don't want those 10 people to think like, oh, she's talking about me. It would just, you know, I I, I can imagine if I was a patient with a practitioner and, you know, even if it wasn't a a bad thing that they were saying, um, there would be something very vulnerable or, um, naked about hearing that like oh my gosh that was me and even if it was fine there'd be that shock I don't want anyone to feel that when listening I also don't want anyone who's considering being my patient to feel like there would be any judgment in our therapeutic relationship totally. I'm also really wary about taking any strong side mm-hmm. on any matter in this podcast mm-hmm. um Besides, like expressing my philosophy, but but I think my philosophy, I'm not going to say it, it can always change. Like it's not like it just all of a sudden I'm like spraying hairspray and breathing it in or something like like going kind of like completely against what right. you know our natural principles. But but there, I want there be it, to be clear that I, there's an openness that I'm not here to advocate any one hardcore standpoint or judge anything that there's 
you know, I mean, nutrition, nutrition is always a controversial subject and there's no one diet that I prescribe or think is right, you know? Yeah. There's like, I I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, um, I think I love that. And I, I think that to add to that, I think approaching this from like a perspective curiosity more, you know, in terms of just trying to understand why this happens, right? Not putting, I love that, not putting blame on like the patient or the practitioner, because there's practitioners listening to your podcast as well today, you know, and um, I feel like they can take it as like, oh, like this is what I do in my practice. And she's saying that it's like not a good, like not good or whatever. Um, And clearly we do this too. Yeah, we do this too, right? Like, (laughs) you know, like, so it's not that, it's not that judgment there. It's simply like talking about, just calling it out, right? Like this is what we do and trying to better understand it. So Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, exactly. Like having it um, come from a place of, I mean, so part, you know, part of what we do is assessment, right? Like that's actually a powerful, a powerful magic trick that we have or powerful skill is to like take in multiple pieces of data and create a web or a picture and an imprint and impression, get a sense of the essence of a case we're working with. And that's really magical, you know, especially when there's a lot of attunement happening, which is what we, we, I think you and I both strive to do in our practice styles is there's an assessment quality. Now, anytime you're assessing, there is uh, an element of discrimination. It's not this, it's this. Like there's a little bit of a knife that you're using to cut. And that can sometimes seem like a judgment. So we're trying to understand phenomena and making claims about what we see. I don't want that to seem like we're judging. And what I mean by that is maybe I can think of an example is, you know, like, when you're working with someone and evaluating lifestyle, like what are things that are going wrong in terms of people's health? Sometimes when you're pointing that out, it could seem like a judgment, right? Like people not going to bed on time or like, even when we're talking about this sort of archetypal anxious patient who's, who's employing lots of different practitioners and seemingly um, blocking their own healing in a sense. I don't want to make it seem like that's a judgment because yeah. we all do that. That's just, yeah how it works. (laughs) That's how we, you know, that's, that's what it is to be in a chronic disease state. There's some, some block and it's obviously not conscious. Nobody chooses unwellness. So I love that. I love that. Nobody chooses that. Nobody chooses to be unhappy. Nobody chooses to be unwell. And that is really the core of it, right? Like it's just about bringing awareness to these patterns that we put ourselves in. Right. And um, allowing that awareness to allow, like allowing that awareness to basically change the way that we choose in the future. Um, so hopefully this is eye-opening or um, comforting for those people because it gives them greater awareness around the things that they're doing that they might not be consciously aware of, like you said, right? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Because I think like, so if I think of, um, I actually asked a friend, I have a very good friend who was telling me she has a series of health conditions. And I was like, you know, you really fit this particular herb, you know, your picture that everything you're sort of complaining about for the last, and when I say complain, I mean like all of your concerns for the last yeah. few years really seems to fit this herb. You know, you're in Toronto. She doesn't live here. Like you're in Toronto. Here's this herb. It's like five bucks for a bottle because mm-hmm. it's a really simple local herb. Like you can literally just chop it up and ca- encapsulate it. So the, the product's five bucks. Why don't you just grab a couple bottles and start taking it and let me know how you feel. And she was just sort of not, didn't want to do it. She, there was a lot of resistance. And because she went my best friend, one of my best friends, and she's very self-aware, I was able to say, what is that? Like, why are you not just listening to me and taking it, you know? 
um, it, it should be a simple equation of, I've been listening to you for many years. I have extra knowledge or different, at least a different angle and perspective from what you have. And I'm just sort of offering this advice. And, and you know, what I feel is that if I were in your shoes, I'd just sort of take the advice, but I, but yeah. I'm sensing this resistance from you. And she told me that she's experienced, you know, she had many health issues throughout her life and she has the experience of being young, you know, preteen and consulting with surgeons and being at the mercy of health practitioners and not feeling empowered, not feeling that she had this sense of advocacy, having all these adults make decisions for her about her body. And so whenever there is health advice thrown at her, even from someone she trusts, Mm -hmm. um, there's an immediate resistance because Mm -hmm. that's the only way she's learned how to, to create boundaries and to maintain her own power. And, and I think that is, a, is an important reality because a lot of people who've been through, like, who's the first person you see when you're unwell? Well, you you visit the healthcare system, especially in Canada, it's, it's free. So why wouldn't you just go to your family doctor first, right. right? You don't need to make a financial decision. It's a no brainer. And you have no idea what's, I know what, why I should see my family doctor or who else I should see, but most people don't. And I didn't before I was an ND. I, so you would, you're like, I have this twinge. I have this thing. Yes. I'm going to go see my MD. Yeah. And then you're put through an experience, depending on what you have, where things are sort of done to you. People yeah. are talking to you, but they're talking to you in a way that it's literally impossible to understand. Like I was recently in uh, the hospital helping my grandfather who had a mini stroke. And I understand medical language. If I wasn't there, I don't know how he would have. I mean, he was also dealing with yeah. a stroke. He, he wasn't yeah. even, you know, able to find words, let alone ask important questions about his health. So you're sort of put there and things are being done to you. People are coming in who you've never met and are kind of in a rush and need to get things done. They have lots of other patients to see. It's a very disempowering feeling. And when you've had that experience and a lot of our patients have suffered, suffered from medical trauma, that it's, it makes sense that you would try and protect yourself by approaching every other interaction where it pertains to your health with a level of skepticism and protection and caution. And yeah, you know, so when there's a practitioner saying, oh, you know, this sounds like this, and they're trying to explain to you what's going on, and they're making recommendations, you know, it makes sense that you wouldn't just sort of leap into the abyss or, to follow the analogy, just sort of, like, follow behind them through the woods, through the jungle, Yeah, you know, Yeah, where- yeah, and I think, like, just to add to that conversation, like, underlying that is this basically this idea of trust that I trust wholly um, the medical system as it is. And then being completely like shocked by the experience and feeling battered by it. And then intuitively feeling that I distrust it, but then still going after this medical system that you've been given these messages since birth that like, this is the system that you should trust. Right. And so it's like this conflicting advice within your body, like within your intuition, essentially. Right. And like, you're like, I don't know who to trust anymore, you know? And then you just go on this like rampage of just like trying different things and different practitioners, like it's, you know, on a series of doing that, you know, and you ultimately just feel lost, like that person in the woods. And and then you don't know who to like, you know, give your hand to, to guide, you know, because you've been given these mixed messages. Like I should trust this medical system, but this is the experience that I had. And it tells me I should distrust it. So what do I do? But there's a fear that if I don't, if I don't do what they told me to do, that I'll be unwell, you know? And so there's this dichotomous like conversation that goes on in our minds when we 
decide when we when we're contemplating whether or not to go forward with a practitioner to take the recommendations and to actually implement them wholly, right? Mm-hmm. There's this distrust that lies underneath that. Mm-hmm. And I think you mentioned when we were having that um, conversation is that like, it's a very like, um, kind of very like male um, kind of approach um, to medicine, right? It's this authoritative approach that like, you must listen to what I say, because it's the right way, you know? Right. Or fear of, you know, or else, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, what, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, there's this sense of, um, you know, I, I'm trusting the system because there it's, and we, we're probably going to talk about this a lot there. It's there's authoritarianism built into the system in the yeah. training and in the hierarchies that exist within yeah. a hospital setting, yep. you know, and then you know, so a patient is essentially at the bottom of that hierarchy yep. as somebody that that is purported to know nothing. That they're yep. sort of like a blank slate, you know. And so, th- but there's a trust. In order to engage with the system properly, I would say you have to just sort of submit yourself. And so many Absolutely. people do that because otherwise, why would you fight if you know you're you're being told something's wrong? There's a surgeon who's gone to school for a million years and he's telling you what you need. He's telling you really quickly, and it seems hurried. And you feel like if you say no many of my patients have expressed this. They're like, they've been told point blank, if you don't do what I'm recommending, you will die, you know, or this is a mistake. Like that is, how do you turn away from that? Um, But then at the same time, their intuition is telling them that it it hasn't worked out, that they haven't been respected or um, it, it hasn't healed them or maybe it's damaged them. So there's a sense of betrayal, but then also a fear and, and, you know, when you're confronted with a system that's powerful and it hasn't worked out for you, you know, you can either say maybe the entire system is broken or maybe there's something wrong with me. And it's much easier for one to conclude that they're the problem. I think we were like talking about relationships just before we recorded and that's similar, yeah. right? It's like, yeah. you know, if you've had a certain experience in relationships, what's wrong with me, you know? Um, and so if there's something wrong with me, well, maybe I should just kind of return to the same kind of energetic dynamic or relationship with the medical system and try and be different in some way. And so there's, and there's a flip-flopping essentially where it's like, I don't want to trust, but i have to trust, but I feel bad for not and flip-flop, flip-flop. Yeah. Yeah. And And I love this like power, like, um, this concept of power that you kind of brought into this, right? Like that if I, um, there's, yeah, there's this like power struggle, right? Cause like there's this, there's the medical system, which has all of this power, right. And the way in which it's currently thought, taught and the way in which it's currently, um, utilized and you're this little minuscule person, like against that. And it feels very daunting. It feels like you know, like, can I go against the system? Like, am I allowed to, like, what will happen if I do, you know? And there's that fear around it because, you know, if it's big and if it's, if everyone knows about it and everyone has trusted it for so long, then it must be right, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So there's that like feeling, right? Like it's like, for example, if you like type in some type something into Google, right? Google is right. You know, like, you know, if I Google something, I'm going to get the answer. Like, what if I don't get the right answer? Like, I mean, can I go against that system? Like, you know, and like, you know, change that, like, you know, the answers that are that come up there. So it's just like this, when there's like this um, big business or big like system and like, and they have a lot of power, you know, um, you feel like you have very little power against that. Um, 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's where that problem also lies, right? Like what you were mm-hmm. saying that it's like, you know, can I actually speak up? Do I trust myself or do I trust the system that's been, you know, in place for so many years? Right. And there's a consequence to speaking up, right? Like patients have been yelled at, they've been, yeah. you know, their doctors have said, I don't want to work with you anymore. Like there's been yeah. just lots of stories, you know, totally. I'm yeah. sure that there are those stories in the natural wellness community. And totally. Kind of yeah. Thing. But yeah. it's, it's a real phenomenon and, you know, yeah. And, and also not, I've had a couple of patients actually with, and it is interestingly, um, both had cervical cancer, pre-cancer, and there's something very stressful about the journey that one takes when they're getting diagnosed and when they're working with the, the healthcare practitioners around that. And they don't feel it's within their power to refuse. It seems all or nothing. It's like either refuse all conventional treatment, which I as an ND am sort of advising against. I'm like, I don't think you should. I think we still need. But they also don't know how to dissect all of the different recommendations to come up with a plan or discuss options or get alternative opinions or, or hear alternative therapies. It's sort of like you submit yourself to my entire plan for you and process or you're going to die. <laughs> you know, like that was both of them received that those options, like those were their yeah. options. It yeah. wasn't like, you know, we can repeat this imaging or we can wait a month or we can talk to this surgeon who might blah, blah, blah. Or here's a different sort of imaging that we can do to understand it better. No, it was like, it's this or, um, you know, or don't, or, you know, don't call me back. And I've scheduled the surgery. And now you're telling me you don't want to do it. You're wasting my time, that kind of thing. Um, which is like, you know, I mean, yeah. to yeah. feel like you're upsetting the person that's trying to heal you. Yeah. A horrible feeling like, you know, that you're like personally insulting them or something. Yeah. Um, puts you in the positioning to care for them. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's, it's a really weird dynamic then. Um, and I just had another thought, um, as you were saying that, um, I feel like our, the people that we work with then expect us to be in that authoritative role. When we don't give them that and we give them options, they're like, Oh, do you know what you're doing? Like, why are you giving me options? Shouldn't be, te- shouldn't you be telling me what to do? Um, and then they question your ability to heal because you're not authoritative. And I find that I think just the most stunning thing ever, because I have never been somebody that like is very authoritative when I work with my clients um, because I do believe in the power of choice. And I do believe that there are many ways to heal. There are many paths to that process. And it's about picking one that fits you and that you're comfortable with, right? If I prescribe something or I recommend something um, to you and, you know, it doesn't seem aligned, you're not going to do it hundred percent, then it's not worth it. You know, going down that path, I'd rather come up with a plan where you're, you know, a collab- collaborator on that plan. Right. And a lot of people see that as like a threat, like, Oh, like, did I pick the right practitioner to work with? Why isn't she telling me what to do? Like, why isn't she just giving me like that plan? And then I can just do it and then move on, you know? So just tell me what to do. Kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Cause you're yeah. just so used to that. Right. Like you're just so used to be to- being told what to do. And when you have to think like, Oh, do I really want to do this? Then it like puts into question the whole system. It's like, hmm. isn't medicine about you telling me what to do versus me participating in that decision, you know? Right. right. So. And, and that's like, it's like, sort of like we're meeting them in the woods and we're like, okay, like, you know, do you, are you lost? Do you need help? And they're like, 
Um, and we're like, okay, like, where have you, where did you come from? Where were you walking before? What other directions did you try? Okay. Well, you know, what's your goal? Like, where do you want to, what do you want to do when you get out of here? Why were you lost in here in the first place? Yeah. But if we go this way, it's faster, but we're not going to encounter like fresh water for a couple of days. Whereas this way is going to be a bit longer, but we're going to find a pond right away. Like, what do you kind of want to do? We're giving, yeah. laying out these options. Yes. I know the woods. And also there's a dark wood right there, but because, <clears throat> you know, the reason that you're lost here is unclear and kind of mysterious. And, you know, something tells me that that dark wood may be helpful. And I've kind of explored it. L- let's go in there together. Or maybe the patient's like, you know, I think I need to go in that dark area. And we're like, yeah. okay, let's go together. There's all these different options. And we're best trying to lay it out in a way that someone could understand and that may never have been given the options before. And they're like, do you know how to get out of here? Like, just get me out of here. Like, just, I want to kind of just daydream behind you while you're sort of like dragging me along, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They want like more of like, I feel like a lot of people just want the result and that's what you're conditioned. That's what, excuse me. And that's what you're conditioned to getting is the result, that pill, that like surgery, that whatever, like, you know, um, rather than focusing actually on the journey, um, to that end destination. And sometimes I feel like, it's better. It's good to have a goal, but it's better not to know exactly what that goal looks like because that goal can change based on what the journey that you take. Right. So, yes. And I feel like as, and like, you know, I'm sure you feel the same way, but as a naturopathic doctor, we empower people that we work with, with that ability to choose what that journey looks like. And we walk with them on that journey. It's not just like we're prescribing this journey, go do it yourself. You know, it's like, I'm actually there for you to support you, to allow you to make sure this journey is something that is enjoyable, that empowers you, that like, um, gets you the results that you're looking for, but in a way that like feels fully supported, you know? So, right. right. Exactly. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, we, this is all, another thing too, is we have various toolkit, like tool, we have a toolbox of various tools that we can use. And, and just depending on where our further studies have taken us, we can be extremely diverse in our approach. And one thing that I talk about in my article that I'll see is like, just be wary when one person has one tool, you know, because it's yeah. very likely that that tool is going to be marketed as the answer to all of your symptoms. And yeah. if you look at what, you know, whether the thing is high, like, so there's conditions like, candida or um, low functioning thyroid or adrenal fatigue. And I'm not saying any of those are like, sometimes when with my patients, we use that as a framework with which they're experiencing things or like high oxalates or histamine intolerance. There's just different names for a similar phenomenon. And someone will come in being like, this is what I have. And then they get kind of locked on that idea. And it becomes very difficult to work with their case. I'm not even going to say with them, it becomes difficult to work with that that case because mm-hmm. there's a there's an idea that's already been put in place that I wouldn't have I wouldn't have necessarily brought into the treatment plan based on my knowledge. I'm trying to trust that something resonated with them, but I'm also as we're working together, understanding that there it was more about the marketing than some deeper sort of intuition that was leading them to con- to diagnose themselves like th- with that. There was something about um, like, let's take, I don't know, um, 
like oxalate <laughs> or like yeah. some sort of toxicity, <clears throat> you know, I want to be tested yeah. for heavy metal toxicity. Yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I, I, I can't say it's not that, but I don't know if that would be the first place I'd go, you know, and it's not wrong to go there first, but it, it, you know, it's sort of like now I'm following them through the woods Yes. which is okay. Yes. That, yes. That's not, it's like, yes. well, okay. You yes. know, you've got, you know about your body more than I do. You yes. Know? Yes. But now, but then, uh, then, you know, we take a few steps, we walk for a couple of days, you turn back and you're like, we're still not out of the woods, Talia. And I'm like, well, I, yeah, I know, but I thought we were going to test heavy metals. Like, uh, you know, we discovered that, yeah, you have some mercury and we're trying to get rid of it now. Uh, but you know, I thought you had some nutrient deficiencies and maybe too much stress. And I kind of wanted to build foundations first. And there was an herb I, I would have liked to put you on. Like I had some idea about your gallbladder, maybe needing some, like <laughs> I had some yeah. other ideas. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, yes. You know, but yeah, it's not the way that our medicine works. Isn't that authoritative authoritarian model? Like we aren't just going to be like, no, it's not heavy metals. Cause we don't know. It could be, you know, it yeah. totally could be. Yeah. And just because that's not the way I normally jump into cases yeah, doesn't mean that that wouldn't be the key to healing someone. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. And you know, the key to healing someone could be to find like a random Reiki practitioner in Bali and have six sessions. Like, I yeah. don't know, <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 These stories all the time where people are like, yeah you know, you helped me a lot, but it was this other thing I did. Maybe you helped me get there, but, and it's like, I don't know. Or some people have miraculous results on the same plan that a similar case didn't experience much movement on. And so there's yeah. a lot of uncertainty in this kind of medicine. That's tough. If Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I think like, I think there's a couple of things that you said that I really want to like kind of talk a little bit more about. One was this idea that, you know, um, you're following the person, you're following your patient, your client, like through the woods when they ask to lead, essentially, you're allowing them to lead because you do believe, right. That, you know, they have more self-knowledge than you know about them. Right. So you trust them. Right. But at some point, like that, it has to be a collaboration, right? It has to be like, I trust you. I'm allowing you to lead, but then there should be that trust, like, you know, baton handed back, like, okay, well, we did this. Um, and it didn't quite get me to where I wanted to go. I'm giving it back to look, what, what other ideas do you have versus like, oh, you allowed me to lead, see what happened. See ya. Like, you know, right. <laughs> like I'm going to go right. find somebody else. Right. But like, cause it really is trying to refine that, like, that partnership that like, you know, in terms of getting you to where you need to go, almost like a relay race, right? Like you need yeah. each other, right? To like complete it, right? Like, so you do need each other to get out of the woods and it's not just one person, it's the both of you collaborating mm -hmm. to figure that out. You, we as practitioners would be so wrong to say that we have all the answers because we don't. Like mm -hmm. it's, um, the body is just so complex and you were talking about like, you know, different plans, like, you know, or the same plan basically for two different people and it works for one person, but doesn't work for the other. Yeah. Because the body is so complex. There's so many different things that impact like our health that sometimes we're just not aware of, or we don't know to like include. And like, when we do add that missing link, like, you know, things miraculously get better, but really it was about taking that holistic approach and figuring out what that missing link was, you know? Right. Yeah, totally. 
Yeah. yeah and this like, the, I think in my article too, there's something I write about humility, um, which is that, so, and I'm saying, I'll say it from a personal experience. Like every time I've experienced the most healing, whether it be working with a practitioner or just different relationships in my life, there was a, a little bit of surrender. And when I say surrender, I don't yes. mean submission. And I don't mean like throwing your power, maybe as you may have done and yes. really regret and learn that that was the wrong thing to do. What I'm saying is like, like, you know, the people are like, well, I don't know what my doctor told me to take this medicine. And then, you know, which actually, okay. Yeah. This is a, a little bit of a side, but actually happened to my grandfather the reason he had his stroke, they're thinking, is because he was put on a statin and and his dose was too high and no one took him down because nobody wanted to um, override the other practitioner's decision. So the cardiologist and the GP didn't want to, I don't know, I, I guess like shame each other. And so they just kept the dose high. And now he's part of a study that shows that that's looking at whether statins cause stroke. And it's like, what the hell? Like, I trusted you. And so that you know, like, what do you want? What are you taking? Did he recommend CoQ10 with it? That kind of thing. There's a lot of betrayal that comes with that. Yeah. Now I have to remember where I was going with this, but this, oh yeah, this idea of humility <laughs> is like, <laughs> is like, um, sort of sh- <laughs> like showing up at the altar of healing and just yeah. where, like the guide comes in the woods and it's like, oh my gosh, thank goodness someone showed up. I'm so lost. And let me tell you my story about how I got here. Yeah. And you tell me what you see. And yeah. and that and then and then and then I'm and then with that relationship, there's a co-humility because then as a practitioner, you're also humble. And you're like, yeah, you know, I, let me tell you. Well, I don't, I'm not gonna tell you my whole story, it's a waste of your time you're paying for, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let me tell you what parts of my story intersect with your story. Like what yeah. I've learned, what I've experienced, what I've seen other people experience, and how yeah. that that reminds me of what you're going through. Yeah. And gives you a perspective on what might be the case. And if I, I like we talked about before, if I have one tool, I'm gonna like put, I'm gonna fit, cram your story into that tool. tool. What yeah. that tool can do. It's like, oh, yes. you know what? You definitely have high oxalates because you have five of those symptoms, and that's it. I've seen a practitioner who was like, You have chronic candida. I'm like, but I only answered two out of 10 of your candida questions. She's like, yeah, but you have it. And I was like, but I did this gut test on my own and it came negative for candida. She's like, yeah, but this other thing shows you have candida. Very well could be true, but yeah, it was hard for me to trust her because I was like, well, why do you have this quiz? Yeah, It doesn't work. Why do you test if it doesn't? There's these questions, which again, if I just sort of bring that to the encounter and she gives me a, a, a response I can accept or understand, that would that would still maintain and be helpful for the therapeutic relationship. But, you know, this idea of humility of like, look, like you answered two out of 10 questions saying you have candida and your test is negative, but here's why I think you have it versus yeah. all these other things. And you know what? I don't know. I don't know 100%. It's weird. Yeah, I have this quiz and usually it works, but for some reason it's not. But I still have this sense like this, it's like a savant syndrome of knowing how many like toothpicks fell just by hearing them yeah. drop this yeah. kind of like just seeing so many cases and being like, you really remind me of this herb or this homeopathic or this, this, you know, this um, pattern of symptoms that I see a lot of. Um, yeah. But yeah, this, you know, where no one is really essentially we're taking authoritarianism out of the conversation and we're taking the need to protect out of the relationship. 
it, and that's, I think, okay, one last thing I'm going to say before I turn it over to you. <laughs> but I think what, you know, when we were talking, like, I don't want anyone to like hear this and, and feel like we're judging them. I think it's, you know, it's, it's us, the practitioners, and then our patients. Yeah. And what we're talking about, what we're pointing to are all the other people in the room, anxiety, disempowerment, you know, um, the, the like, already always listening when you're already like kind of know what's going on before you even talk to the person. Um, anything that sort of stands in the way of this like openness and humility and surrender of maintaining like a true relationship where you're trying to really understand what's happening and getting to maybe not the bottom of it, but getting to a working theory around what's going on so you can act and you can like then continue to check in and continue to mold it and continue to shape it as you're learning more. And so when anxiety is there and now I'm treating, not, not treating anxiety, but anxiety is like telling me how to practice. It's, I can't even see my patient now. Is it the, this anxiety is in the way and now, and, and it's blocking our ability to to engage in that dance. Totally. Yeah, totally. And there's a, there's a couple of great things that you said there. Like, <laughs> um, so with the practitioner side, right. Them having this one tool, I feel like that also happens over time when they gain confidence in that tool. Right. So like part of like the practitioner side of things, right. Is that like, you are always looking for things that work. And as they work, you're like, okay, I'm going to add this tool to my toolbox and I'm going to try it again. And that builds confidence when you see those results. And then eventually what happens over time is that like you gain so much like confidence around that tool. You get this ego that like, okay, this is the one, this is the thing that works for most people. I'm going to just do this with everybody. And I think that's where the problem sometimes lies is that like, when we get into this mentality of this, like one size fits all, when we know that that's not the case, it's like, you know, a couple of things, you know, butting head, heads against each other. It's like this confidence that you need to have as a practitioner that like my tools work. Mm-hmm. And then also having space for learning something new. There's this idea that you were talking about earlier is that like, I never take one hard side because there's always this openness. There's this like, opportunity for me to like change my perspective. If some based on something that somebody says. Mm -hmm. And so on that practitioner side, that's what's going on. Mm -hmm. And on like the client or like the patient side, what's going on really is that like, I want a tool to make this go away. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you give me that tool? Are you capable of, you know, relaying that information to me based on my experiences Mm -hmm. and having trust that this practitioner will provide me with this tool? And then feeling disempowered when that doesn't happen and then like jaded by the system when that doesn't happen and then questioning everything when it doesn't happen. And then you've got like these patients that are now that are like developed anxiety basically um, around the medical system because they don't know who to trust. Right? right. And they don't know who to listen to them or their intuition. Right. Um, and that's where like the battering happens. And like, I had like, you know, just my mom, like, um, she went to a practitioner, um, who told her that like, where she went back to, and then the practitioner was like, why didn't you lose weight? You know, um, your, all of your markers on your blood work are the same. Like why? And like, she looked at her and like, 
on the scale and like, why didn't you lose weight? And she's like, well, I really did try it, but it didn't work. And but then the practitioner's like, well, I don't have time for this. Like, you know, like, mm-hmm. so like disempowering that even when we do follow the instructions and do follow the tools of these practitioners, sometimes we still feel disempowered because of the way in which that whole situation is handled, mm-hmm. you know, from a place of judgment and like authority versus like compassion and mm-hmm. okay, I can see how this might have not worked for you. Let's try this other thing, you know, or let's try to understand why this didn't work, you know? Yeah. Um, and so yeah. we're not like some of the, some, sometimes you become this practitioner that's unforgiving and we really need to allow for more forgiveness. And sometimes as a client or patient, we need to have room for um, more experiences, allow for us to have room for more healing, try this journey again, continue following this health journey, because it literally is a journey. Like, you know, it doesn't stop. Like, you know, you might have a couple of bad experiences, you might have a whole lot of bad experiences, but what, you know, allows you to continue to move forward is that you continue to try. And I think, mm-hmm. um, I really do and encourage, you know, all my clients and my patients like to like do that because like, I may not be the end all be all for them, you know? And I know that. And I like accept that I ought, like, you know, like mm-hmm. I own it. Like that's, yeah. that's, that that's the case. Like, you know, like I know that, but I know that like, I come from a place where I am trying to understand where you're at and I'm trying to give you what I do know. Like you were saying, it's this collaboration of like where you've been and the experience that you've had and melding it with their experiences to really help lead them with some wisdom, you know, that may help them speed up the process, you know, towards, you know, getting that health back. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's like, we're, yeah, I guess it's, it's like a sense of like this trying to convey what you see and helping the patient feel seen. I I feel like if that happens in the interaction, it's usually like in the treatment plan visit where I then kind of describe what's going on with them. There's usually, if I do it right or get it, there's usually a like a kind of like an aha moment, you know? Yeah. But there's a lot of room for what I've also learned to, to try and do is to tell people that, our check-in because it's also hard to lay the journey out you know we don't know and and a patient yesterday asked me um you know how long is it gonna take for my fibroid to shrink and I was just like (laughs) I have honestly no idea I don't and it it was it's really hard to say but it's it's first of all very hard for that to happen you know so are there other things that are going to encourage us that we're on the right journey and maybe the fibroid will be irrelevant because you feel amazing, except for the awareness of a little lump, you know, maybe it shrinks, but it's not totally. So there's so many possibilities that, that would potentially mean success, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's just such a, it's a difficult question where you don't, it's, it's difficult to answer from a place of that, like, you know, this authoritarianism, like six months, just do it for six months. And it's, you know, um, it's hard. You don't know, like in, in my yeah. experience, it's how ha- it's taken this long, but I, yeah. in my experience, you know, someone who has taken the, the herbs I've recommended feels bitter energy after a month. So I really want to understand why. And that's where I tell them, I'm like, you know, when we're doing those check-in visits, part of it is what you respond to, what you don't respond to give us more clues about what's going yeah. on. Yeah. And it's, it's just as good. I yeah. find it sometimes even better <laughs> than doing testing. It's like, Oh, you took a magnesium and felt worse. Well, that's interesting. That tells us a lot. 
took it, felt amazing. Like it fixed you. Yeah. <laughs> That's really interesting. Yeah. That tells me a lot. Or it kind of did what we predicted it would do. And so, yeah. yeah, it's like continuing to shape that and, and, and try and, and tell people what you see or what, you know, yeah. But then, you know, so I don't know if you've received this sort of business coaching where it's like, people don't want to know all of that information. Just tell them what to do. <laughs> and it's never yeah. fun. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I, I think th- there's an important distinction here. You know, it's not about telling people what to do, but giving them um, a structure mm-hmm. that, you know, works, right? Like um, the clients that I work with, we almost always do gut health, adrenal health first, you know, um, because I know that structure works well in, based on right. how the whole all of the systems in the body work, you know, I know that those are our foundations, right? Like, so I know that we need to work on those two things, how we work on them and what specific products I use. And like the time that we take it all, it's different based on the client, you know, that I'm working with, but Mm -hmm. I know that structure works. So like, it's about like allowing, giving our clients or giving whoever we're working with, like that structure that this is, I know this structure, I know that this is how the body works and this is what we need to do in order to heal. And I'm confident about that, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but how that takes place is different for each person. So with the person with the fibroids, it's like, well, I know that we need to do, you know, there needs to be less estrogen in your body to like stimulate the fibroid growth, right? You know, like I know that. And I know that, you know, um, you know, menstruation might be like heavy right now and we can work on things naturopathically to decrease that period pain essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know that like lifestyle changes and dietary changes is going to help with this process, you know, like going to get you there. So I know I have the structure, how I go ahead and apply that structure to your specific case is going to be different. Right. And it should be different. Right. And it's about being, and I think that's the big thing. It's like owning that I have a structure that, that works, that I know that I like owning that. I do know how the body works. I do but there's still a lot left, you know, that we don't know, like, you know, but knowing that and being able to convey that confidently, I think is what allows somebody to trust you, you know, that, Hey, like I want to work with that person. And then there's just this, like, um, there's, there's space for them to collaborate on that journey that like, okay, I know that this is your structure, but this is how I feel that, you know, we should do it. What are your thoughts? Like, you know, and then me going back and recalibrating like, okay, yes, this has worked for me, but she's wanting to do this. How can I meld these two to come up with something that works for both of us? You know, where I'm confident that I'm going to get results and that she feels comfortable upon this journey, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, like it's like, this is beautiful, like dance, right? Like when it, when it works, when there's open-mindedness from like both um, sides versus like, I like fear, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. like mistrust, distrust, right? Like it, you approach it so differently, right? When you don't trust somebody to begin with, you're not going to take any information that they say like with validity or, um, take it seriously enough to yeah. consider it and to be open to it. And then you're never going to get well, you know, because you're constantly distrusting everything because that's the experience that you had, but it's right. about breaking those patterns, you know, of the distrust and, being open to allow for the practitioner to lead you and for you to also take leadership when needed as well in that process and not just completely surrender, right? Like surrender to a point where, you know, um, you can allow for, you know, input um, and be led, but also be open to leading if necessary um, for part of that journey, because maybe, you know, this path, part of the path better than I do, 
or you've been there before and I haven't like, you know, like, so just like being humble about that. So I love that, you know, love all the things that you brought up. Yeah. Yeah. There's actually, so as we're talking, so I'm thinking there's, so Francis Weller, I'm like always talking about him these days because I bought his audio series and it's, it's beautiful. He's um, a Jungian psychoanalyst, but he's, he follows sort of the work of James Hillman, who's a Jungian psychoanalyst. So he's sort of like an offshoot of James Hillman, who's an offshoot of Jung. And he talks a lot about the soul, very heart-centered guy, lots of poetry. And he's like, in relationship, what forms is something called the third body. And that's the thing that breaks off and, you know, when we, when we end a relationship, it's what forms and what we nurture and what we add to as we're creating a relationship. And that would be true of a romantic relationship, therapeutic relationship, parent child relationship, et cetera. And so we have this third body. And so I'm like, that third body maybe is what is leading. And sometimes it looks like I'm in front of my patient and they're in front of me, but the third body or this, I don't know what it is, some healing force, something that forms yes. when we form a relationship is maybe yes. in charge. Yes. And when we yes. don't let that lead, I think that's what I'm talking about where the patient's like, I want to test mercury. Maybe the healing body, let's call it the third body is like, yep. it's mercury. And Talia, yep. you don't usually test this. You don't usually do this. Isn't usually your like expertise and you don't, yep. even, you don't even have access to chelators. So it's going to be a tough kind of plan to lead someone on, but this is where we're going. Something yeah. is telling us both that great. Yeah. But actually we were talking too about, um, you know, what happens when fear takes the reins instead of that yes. healing body, you know, that's what's yes. leading us now. We're both yes. just like plundering through the woods, like yes. zigzagging and, yes. you know, and we're now both getting, we're both like confused is what's happening. But another important thing I think is trauma. And sometimes, mm. You know, I don't, I don't believe that everybody needs to like dig into their trauma and, and spend a decade there. Um, But when there's something that, but I think this is what I, what I seem to feel sometimes in interactions is that the trauma is coming in and asking for help or the trauma is coming into my appointment and it, it is telling me. I need a supplement for sleep or something. Mm-hmm. And so we're working on sleep and the trauma is getting poked. Like the, the trauma is actually the thing that needs dealing with, or that's the thing. And again, mm-hmm. I don't mean like going in there and like 10, mo- 10 years of like trauma work or anything like that, but something about it needs to be acknowledged or something about it is, is the thing that's preventing the sleep. And so mm. yeah, we're doing like our sleep stuff and it's mm-hmm. not working at all. Mm-hmm. And the, or maybe I'm sort of recommending, maybe it is going to work. It's starting to work in the patient's like, I didn't do it. Um, and, and I always like getting curious about that in it because there's a ton of stuff I don't do that I know is good for me. Trust me. I'm on my phone before bed pretty much last couple months. So don't worry. Like we're all human. <laughs> and, yes. And like yes. my aura ring is like telling me, it's like yelling at me. It's like, go yes. to bed. <laughs> like, so, okay. So don't worry. Like that's yeah. when someone is not following a treatment plan, th- that's yes. fine. Like we get curious, yeah. but we try and help. We try and support. That's yes. what, that's what my, yes. I'm paid for. But yes. when there's a, when there's resistance, when there's something there that's blocking maybe the supplements or herbs from working sometimes that happens where it's like they're yes. just we're not allowing it in mm-hmm. and I think that sometimes I'm like why is that happening or um we can't 
heal. Maybe we can't sleep because the reason we're not sleeping, the reason our vital force or whatever is blocking our sleep is not because we don't have enough melatonin or magnesium or, or proper sleep hygiene. Maybe it's because by sleeping now we are going to start working with or addressing this trauma or this thing that we don't want to acknowledge. And so this like one pill solution type thing is really appealing because it's like, I can sort of bypass this whole thing. And again, I'm not saying, I don't think that somebody sort of comes in knowing that. Yeah, they don't. I think it's that they probably, it's probably just experienced for both of us as like a resistance, Mm -hmm. a frustration. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes I feel like I'm getting blamed. Um, Mm -hmm. Other practitioners, maybe even me, sometimes I won't, I like to think I don't show it to my patients, but maybe I do feel that maybe it comes across frustration at the patients, but there's a mutual frustration or there's a block. There's something that isn't working. And I think sometimes it can be trauma. Cause when we talk about like deep transformational healing, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it's like, Oh, melatonin. Oh, that was the answer. Sweet. But usually people have tried stuff like that, you know? So it usually isn't just a pill. It's something else it's like it's something deeper it's something more transformative and transformation could can involve trauma or just plain be scary in general and yeah you know maybe there's a and maybe it it isn't this is another another point is maybe it's not good for you to do trauma work now and so you're coming in for sleep and the trauma is getting poked and you're like, but it's not appropriate for me to do that right now. Mm-hmm. Too much going on in my life. Mm-hmm. I don't have the stability in my body. There's other things. And so that, that there may be wisdom in not in that block ha- being there yeah. as well. Yeah. But yeah. sometimes that's the case. And, and patients have told me sometimes, like I've seen them come back a few years later and they're like, you know, you gave me all this advice and I wasn't ready to follow it. And then, um, you know, and then I just kind of followed it. And then, and I realized it was, there was an ownership there. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we don't get that as practitioners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah. And I feel like, I feel like, yeah, we, we don't know what journey people um, have after they see us for sure. And like how they actually take it, the information that we give them and how they integrate it into their lives. I think what we do see is like the interaction, right. That we have with them in the present. Um and this idea of like trauma, like whether or not like, you know, to address it or not. Um, I think there's like, a, honestly, like I think from a practitioner side, a lot of people who are not like accustomed to dealing with that, there's a fear, like, yeah. I don't want to go there. Like, yeah. you know, um, I don't want to like poke that. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know what that's going to bring up because I don't know what that's going to trigger. And um, there's a fear around that too. Um, but I think like you said, like, I think like, um, for some people, it's more empowering to work on the physical stuff first so that they feel, like you said, kind of stable mm-hmm. um, to be able to have space and energy to work on the mental, emotional things, constructs um, around the trauma and how it's like triggering them in the present. Um, and I do agree. Like, I don't think that like anybody needs like, you know, years and years of trauma work. They may, mm-hmm. um, you know, but I think it's more about how uh, like addressing how mm-hmm. that trauma is interfering with the present, essentially, like you like living your the quality of life that you want to live. So in the case that you brought up, like the example that you brought up with regards to sleep, like 
Is it interfering with that treatment plan to a point where we literally cannot move forward, you know, that where we need to address that first? Or is there enough space for us to address address this physically first and then go back and work on that? And, you know, mm-hmm. you may decide that you're not the right person for that and refer out for that, right? Um, or may decide that, no, this isn't within my wheelhouse. I know for like, for me personally, like, um, it really depends on what that trauma was and like how heavily it's impacting them, whether or not I feel comfortable, like going into that and how comfortable, honestly, the person that I'm working with wants me to invites me in, right. How much they invite me into that story to help them heal that. Right. Cause they may not feel comfortable going there with me. Um, but if they do, they invite me in and then I can see that. Right. And be able to like work on that with them. Cause I, I mean, for me, it's not scary. It's not something that I fear. Um, something that like I do invite some of my clients to work with, with me, but I'm not a trauma specialist, but, um, you know, it's something that I definitely think that like, if the client invites you in, um, you can take that direction. You know, that's the one time where they're leading and they're like, okay, come with me here. I want you to help me with this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But and going- maybe we call in another another yeah. guide as well to help. Yes. Like if you yes. Know we're at a level, we need someone. Yes. And this, this is like the collaboration, right? Like when we have multiple people on a healthcare team working towards the same goal, mm-hmm. that's collaboration. That's moving forward. That's having mm-hmm. two people hold your hands in the same direction mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. like one person pulling you this way and the other person pulling you that way. Right. Like, exactly. um, so that's the difference between having a healthcare team that's goal oriented towards one direction versus having a healthcare team that like, yeah, they still may not speak to each other, even if they're going toward the same goal. But if you are the person, the integrator, um, as the patient, the client, right, if you're the integrator, and you're telling them where you want to go, right, based on where you think you should go, um, then it's more productive versus like having each practitioner take their own direction and pull you in each of those directions. That's not productive, right? Right. But then now you're zigzagging, and you're not making any headway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and as I, we're talking to, I was sorry to interrupt. But I was just thinking, yeah. too, like sometimes, let's say it's it's yeah, you're working on the physical, and the yeah. sleep is blocked, and it's not happening, and there's a sense, there's a resistance there. Maybe trauma just needs to be acknowledged. Like, and what I mean by is like, ooh, seems like could be trauma there, and maybe that's yeah. enough for it to just step. But maybe it seems like there's trauma there but not today. I don't want to look at you. I don't want to di- I don't want to dive into you today. Yeah. And maybe that's enough for it to just step aside and be like, okay, but when you're ready, I'll be here and yeah. then sleep. Then the supplements can start to work. So sometimes it's just about like acknowledging that there's a roadblock or a resistance or something there that yeah. is extra beyond the practitioner patient and the like healing yeah. the third body. Yeah. Oh, here we go. We have like another, we have a fourth body now. It's, it's anxiety or it's fear or it's trauma and it's in the way and it's leading. And let's just notice that it's leading. Tell it that we'll, we'll let it have a place at some point, maybe, but, but, you know, but make, you know, but, but maybe just needs to be seen and acknowledged. And then um, we can go about our like, you know, cleaning up the diet or making sure you're getting enough protein or whatever we're trying to do, you know, adrenal healing, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I think I just, I have one more thought that I want to kind of just like share is that like, we've had this beautiful discussion, like, um, so far around this idea of like, you know, fear in the medical system. And it's just really interesting that like, you know, 
when we can really look at it um, and observe what's going on with regards to like how we approach medicine and be able to observe and see that, you know, in fact, like I don't need to fear um, what I intuitively want to do and where I want to go with my health. Like, you know, um, you're not going like, you know, like it should never be like, you know, black or white, like you're going to die or you're going to live. Right. It should be like, you're going towards this direction. How do you want to go in that direction? You know, like what are the tools, like what is the path that you want to take um, to get to where you want to go? You know? Mm -hmm. Um, And it can seem really daunting deconstructing that medical, like the model that currently exists that is like fear-based. Like if you don't do this, you're going to die Mm -hmm. um, type of approach um, taking it to that extreme if it needs to be, but like, and it, yeah. And it's not easy. It's not easy to stand in your power and to stand up for what you like innately know is not right. Um, when everyone's telling you otherwise, but you know, like, I think having this conversation like helps to like bring awareness to that. And it is really empowering to have this conversation and to like, yeah. So this is great, Dimpy. This is well, we gotta stop. But I want oh, yes, to yes, continue yes. it. Let's continue it. Because yes. I feel like there's still yeah. so much more. Like this is probably yeah. like a two-hour combo easily. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I forgot yeah. about time. Yeah. So, no, no, it's yeah. all good. No, this is perfect. 